It's the Opperman Report. Join digital forensic investigator and PI Ed Opperman for an in-depth discussion of conspiracy theories, strategy of New World Order resistance, high-profile court cases in the news, and interviews with expert guests and authors on these topics and more. It's the Opperman Report. And now, here is investigator Ed Opperman. Okay, welcome to the Opperman Report. Let me stop that there. I am your host, private investigator Ed Opperman. And the show is brought to you by emailrevealer.com. And go to emailrevealer.com. That's where we have the, uh, the online infidelity investigation. You think your husband, your boyfriend, your, your girlfriend's cheating on you? You send us their email address. We trace it back to online dating websites. We catch them cheating online. And, you know, 30% of those people on uh, online dating websites are in monogamous relationships or either a... Uh, I got an exclusive boyfriend, girlfriend, or they're they're married, engaged. So you know, thirty percent. Like that. odds are you're being cheated on. <laughs> Someone's cheating on you. Those are the odds. I hate to break it to you right before Christmas. You're probably gonna break up. Anyway, emailrevealer.com. We catch them cheating online. Asset searches, locates. Um, if your family's been separated through the adoption process, uh, we can locate adoptive parents and biological parents and biological kids. All that kind of fun stuff. Emailrevealer.com. Trace emails for you. If you want to identify somebody or locate somebody by their email address, we can do that for you. And being stalked or harassed online, we can identify people and uh, e-discovery, document the uh, the activity and prepare a report for you. Okay. At first, I, let me start out with this. I want to apologize for last week's show this evening. Uh, you know, the Friday night, 7 p.m., portion of the show the live portion i'm gonna start doing a live uh, friday nights again though too because i kind of miss it i kind of miss being part of the the action you know uh, live i don't I don't remember what tonight's show was about what did i do about the, oh the, the the vegan lady yeah i like her a lot and uh i was at that coffee shop again uh, a couple of times the, the madhouse coffee shop on eastern there's two madhouses the one i go to is the one on eastern and pebble in fact, it, it, that place is right by where I stop uh, when I take my bike ride. Pebble and Eastern is right where it ends, you know? So it was right there, you know? I could have went and got coffee all the time when I was riding my bike. It's too cold to ride down. It's freezing in this house right now, too. Uh, but anyway, so I talk to them. The, the manager's back or the owner's back, wherever the guy is. And, and I'm presenting them with my uh, travel mug idea. And I think they're going to go for it. I think they're all excited. So as soon as we know what's going on with that at the Madhouse, Cafe, uh, Madhouse uh, Coffee Shop... I'll let you know what's going on. But I want to apologize for last week's show. I was fasting. I was doing a water fast. I hadn't eaten for like four days. I was very cranky. And I had all my notes prepared. You know, and I, I really do work hard on these notes and take a lot of time uh, to prepare what I'm going to say on Friday nights. I think about it, you know, during the week because I'm walking around and stuff. Uh, and then I had all these interruptions too, you know. And it wasn't just Victoria. There was, there was a lot of crap going on that night with people coming and going in and out of here. Uh, and I know I, I made that little comment about it. Ah, I don't have a kid, but I didn't really mean that. You know that. And Vix, right now, she's off in the, she's in San Diego in the middle of the fire. <laughs> okay, right now, um, at a debate. She's uh, her school went there, her team to debate, a local school over there in California. She's on a little school trip, uh, right in the middle of that San Diego fire. So God bless them over there. Let's pray for them. 
Okay, let's see. I'm taping a show. I, I, I did a show. I was interviewed by Chuck Ocelli. Both myself and Pierce Redman were interviewed by Chuck Ocelli about the uh, Jeffrey Epstein stuff. You can find it online, but if you can't find it, I'm going to upload it into the member section. If you notice, I've been putting a lot of stuff in the member section. Okay, I, I know... I know you don't have as many things to complain about <laughs> when I update the member section regularly. I know it gives you one less thing to email me about and complain. You know, so I'm, I apologize for that. But I've updated the member section with that. I'm, I know I'm going to update the member section with that section. Uh, but you could find it online if you really search for it. And I think Pierce has it in his uh, member section as well. Uh, and uh, Pierce came up with some really good new information about Epstein um, and uh, Roger Stone. Now, we, we, we didn't get it all out there during that little short one-hour show, but I'm going to be taping with Pierce, and we're going to go over it in detail. Um, tomorrow, I'm being uh, interviewed by a guy named Aaron Franz. I don't know if anybody's heard of him. He seems to have quite a following, Aaron Franz, uh, or Franz, perhaps. Uh, and if, uh, by the way, I've been sandbagged a couple of times lately. So if there's anything bad about this guy, let me know if he's going to be checking me off tomorrow. Because uh, I, I, I'm looking online at Opperman, uh, right wing, left wing fanatic. <laughs> you know, all this crazy stuff out there. Man. People, what? Why don't people just leave me alone? Who am I bothering? Nobody. Nobody. So I'm taping with him in the afternoon. Then I'm going to be on Sherry Wisdom. On uh, she her show is mostly I think she's on American Freedom I, I don't know what show she's on um uh, what's that station uh, People's Internet Radio Oops am I on there right now Yes I am She's on People's Internet Radio and uh, so about four o'clock tomorrow I'm going to be on there with her yeah four o'clock I think because I'm producing for her because uh, our friend Steve Roberts uh, from Cancel the Cabal uh, who's a really cool guy um, had to go in for bypass surgery so he went in there today god god bless him man he came out okay um but i tell you well, what the hell you go in there for bypass and you're up and you're awake and you're, you're back on the computer two hours later <laughs> is that what's going on out there i can't even get a freaking hernia surgery or my teeth fixed hey i got a really good show you're gonna enjoy i hope you enjoy it tonight because i really like that girl jody marie and i really like ruben uh, De Silva, I like both of them. Really, both quality people. Uh, good, good information on both. I really enjoyed the sh- and I want to give a uh, uh, Jody Marie her own show too as well. And I'm going to have Ruben come back. We're going to talk for a couple hours about uh, foreign policy and stuff like that. So he's a local guy. He's moving up. So you know, you understand. Uh, tomorrow. I interviewed a guy named uh, Bob Ruff, who has the Truth and Justice Forum, Truth and Justice Podcast, and his website is truthandjusticepod.com, and he's doing a whole series now on the West Memphis Three. Now, and yeah, listen, I think I pretty much, we had a little, because he, he's supporting the West Memphis Three, he's supporting these killers, man, he's coming up with excuses for these guys, oh my God. You got three guys who, who, before they commit the murder, they're, they're bragging about they're going to do the murder. Then they do the murder. Uh, one of the guys confesses. They all three make admissions. They get convicted in, in, in two trials. Then they plead guilty. 
But there's still some kind of question, or you know, oh, they were wrongly convicted. Oh, there's no justice in the case. So this guy's coming out. He's reopening the whole thing. He wants to go take a look at this thing. He's a former arson uh, for fire department chief, and he claims it was an arson investigator for a short time. Uh, so, but you know what, man? I got to tell you, you know, I'm looking at this guy's operation, his podcast, and all this kind of stuff like that. This guy's getting money thrown at him, hand over fist. You know. Uh, uh, to, to to run his uh, investigation here of the West Memphis Three. And it really, uh, you know, I got to tell you, man, you know, we all, I get all these emails. Hey, Ed, you're doing a great job. The work you do is so important, blah, 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 you know. And, you know, and p- people wonder why we're getting our asses kicked left and right all over the place. With all these different things. Why is the elite pedophiles, why are they winning all over the place? Ed, Ed why are they winning, you know, you know, when are we going to get justice in? And, and the, the thing is, the reason is, is because people are throwing money at the wrong people. <laughs> you know, it is, you know, what the hell? Here you got a guy making up excuses. And, you, and we had a little debate. You can hear our debate. And I don't, I can't see how anybody can listen to this show and, and be convinced by, by this guy's stuff, you know. But the thing is, here you got a guy defending three confessed child killers and people are throwing money at them and you know my situation i did a show an urgent announcement this week and i even put out an email you know about how i i just need money just to survive here man like the show would have been off the air i gotta i'll go over the whole situation real quick i don't want to harp on this situation you know but i i had to go to california my car i come back my car gets towed you know, I got to borrow money to get my car out of tow, you know, and scram. First, I did an overdraft and then did a, I borrowed money to cover the overdraft so I wouldn't get that $35 fee. You know, then I'm fighting with this uh, um, the, the Avis car rental. I'm fighting with the property manager trying to get my tow money back and all the lost work and time, or, you know, for that whole freaking week dealing with these people. They wouldn't even tell me where my car was. Uh, then they find out I got mold. In my laundry room, they're making appointments. They don't show up. They show up in the middle of, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. We're here, you know, big, you know, I got I to gotta tape that day. Big giant. This whole month has been a disaster. Then my car breaks down. Okay, fine. I got a great mechanic. I get over to the mechanic there. And it's beyond repair. So I got I to gotta sell that car, you know, and I'm going to tell them it's a piece of crap. You know, I'm selling it just like I sold the other one, you know, for nothing. And, and I got to get a car this week. Now, we got a bunch of uh, memberships sold. Uh, well, by the way, I'm offering a great deal, 60 bucks. I'll give you 13 months. I'll give you the rest of this month, too. 13 and a half months, I'll give you, okay? How's that? For 60 bucks, it's nothing. <sighs> half what it's worth. John B. Wells charges 10 bucks a month for that crap. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, but the thing is, is um, I raised a little bit of money, and I was able to rent a car. I got a, I got a car for like the, until Monday, and then I'm going to have to renew it until I buy a car. Uh, so if you want to help support the show, uh, 60 bucks, I'll give you 13 and a half months. All you got to do is you got to email me at oppermanreport at gmail.com. But, but my point is, okay, you know, we, we complain that we're losing, you know, in, in our fight and stuff. Like that. And, and it's because they put their money where their mouth is, you know, you got a pedophile running for, for office in, in Alabama. They're throwing money at him. The president's going over there to back him up. And here you got one, a lone voice in the wilderness here shouting against all this stuff. 
and, and I, I gotta beg, and and, and I, you know, and it's not even begging. I'm giving you, I'm giving you something for the money, but then I, I gotta come here and beg, you know. And then I get these emails, you know. I put out this uh, recording, you know, I, and it only goes out on, uh, doesn't go out everywhere. All the stations don't cover. All the stations don't cover what I'm, I'm what you hear right now, you know. Uh, and all the stations don't. Uh, that that stuff I do during the week, you know, if I, I put out something on Spreaker and iHeart or, or YouTube, you know, all the stations don't carry that. So I put out a, a broadcast on Spreaker. It goes out on iHeart, and iTunes, uh, YouTube. And I start getting these emails. Well, you know, Ed, we used to support you, but then you started bashing Mr. Trump, and, and now we don't support you anymore. No, you, you may not support me, but you still listen to the show, okay? Because it's not like you were tuned into the show before me, okay? And um, you, you, you just happen to hear me. But you went to my YouTube channel. You went to my iHeart. You went to my iTunes to find the show. So you still listen to the show for free because you get value from it, but you don't want to pay. Uh, you don't want to support the work. Well, one day the work won't be here and you won't have it. Okay. You won't have anybody to complain about and anybody to beat up on. So enough of that. But the, my point is though, the show tomorrow with Russ, uh, um, what's his name? Um, uh, Bob Ruff. It's a good show. It's a quality show. It's a good debate. We hold our own in this debate for sure. I think I destroyed him. Even though I, you know, I don't have this thing memorized. I worked on this case 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I was paying attention to that crap, you know? I'm not sore. I don't live my whole life when West Memphis three, but anyway, and, and, and they get money thrown at them to, to, to travel around the fly to New York to meet with Damien, fly to California to meet with, you know, what the hell? And, and we're working here trying to, I got to walk three miles to rent a car. Uh, Cause uh, our side uh, doesn't uh, put up our, our, our Dukes. Anyway, so uh, that's that. Um, I got another show with Scotty Schwartz. And poor guy, I called him Schultz like 10 times during the interview. But his name is Scotty Schwartz. And he's the kid from uh, A Christmas Story that, that licked the pole and got his tongue stuck to the pole. Then he went and got involved in porno. He was a porno producer. And then he was he's, has this big dispute right now with Corey Feldman and Corey Haim's mother. And uh, so he gives his uh, end of this story with his little dispute. And he thinks that Corey Feldman's a con man. Uh, trying to uh, build people out of their money uh, to reveal his information. You know, anyway. There you go with that. Okay, let's see. You know, today is um, December 8th. It's the day that uh, John Lennon was, was shot in New York City. And uh, before I started doing my show four years ago, I would get interviewed all the time about uh, how I met Mark David Chapman. And then when I first started doing a show, every every December I would do a show about the Lennon assassination. And I haven't done it that much lately. I haven't talked about it much lately. I don't even know why, you know. Maybe because I got it out of my system by talking about it. Because for years and years and years I was so affected. But I, I was affected even before I, I knew I had any kind of involvement with it. I remember the, the day after he was shot. I remember just sitting in my room listening to the radio hearing that he got shot and then turning the TV on you know, and, and looking at the news and stuff like that. And then the next day going to the train station and you know other kids who went to school with me that normally well we took the same other kids that took the train and we never really talked to each other in the morning you know uh, but that morning, like, we all got together and talked to each other. So, oh, my God, did you hear about John Lennon? And we started talking to each other that day. And then, uh, you know, it was constant news coverage. And back then, we didn't have 
our news, you know, like we have now with CNN and all that stuff like that. We have cable TV. It's had three channels. But the newspapers covered it. And whole big pullouts, you know, centerfolds and stuff like that, Jalen assassination. And it wasn't until about three or four days later that I was looking at the picture of the guy, Mark David Chapman. And I said, oh, oh bleep, that's the guy. I met that guy. I ran into that guy at Yippie headquarters. Hey, now, the way the story goes, the official story that they tell you on the news, and, and Chapman just recently came out with a story too and gave his narrative of what happened, is that he, he showed up in, uh, in Manhattan, I guess from Hawaii, on Saturday, December 8th, December 6th on Saturday. And that was the day he was riding around in those cabs, because they interviewed that cab driver, I forget his name right now, it was like um, Decker or something like that, he had a, an American name, um, and where he was acting really weird in the cab, you know, and telling a guy that he had, he was, a, he was John Lennon's sound engineer and all this kind of stuff, he was carrying his duffel bag around with him, and then, you know, you hear the stories about how he was hanging out in front of the Dakota, and uh, he was acting all calm. You know, and he was a very calm person out there. And even he met some girls and he even took them to, to dinner or to lunch or something. So he wasn't, you know, it was like two different kind of people. Because then he also ran into James Taylor in the subway station. And he grabbed him and he pushed him up against the wall. And he was all frantic. And that's the one I met. I met a guy. And it was at Yippie headquarters at number nine Bleecker Street. And, okay, now it, I'm, I'm fuzzy on the exact day that I, that I met him. Okay, because... I would usually, at my school, where I went to high school, was in St. George on Staten Island. It was within walking distance to the ferry terminal. So usually when I would go to Manhattan, unless where it was a special appointment I had to make, I would go straight after school. I'd go to Manhattan. I'd do what I got to do. And then sometimes I would stay overnight there and then come back the next morning and go to school the next day. You know, I was like 16, 17, 18 years old. And I, I was staying in, in squats and abandoned buildings, you know, in Yippie, all over the kind of play, crazy places, you know. I would stay overnight, you know, and then go to school the next day from, you know, and I didn't never even go home. It's pretty much on my own those days. And uh, so it would be unusual for me to go to Manhattan on a Saturday or a Sunday, although I did do it if I had to, if I had an appointment. But I remember that day. When I showed up at Yippie headquarters, it was a weird thing because none of the people who I knew were there. There were strangers there. And it was like a, a couple of young college-age girls and I guess a college-age boy um, who were kind of like sightseers, kind of like tourists coming down. Hey, well, let's go check out Yippie headquarters. We smoke pot. Let's go check it out. And this weird guy, this Mark David Chapman. And... I walked in and I, I saw these people. I didn't know them, you know, and but and they were the only people in there too. And it was very uh, um, the place had a lot of security. Like you had to make sure that when you left, that the door was locked and someone was in there waiting, you know. So it was very unusual. In fact, I think that's the only time I could ever think that I went there where no one else was there but me and and strangers. So there was there was these strangers were out there. <laughs> And uh, I, then they were like in the reception area when you first came in. There was like a couple of couches there and stuff like that. And then there was the, the lounge area behind the wall with like a kitchen back there. 
So I went behind the wall into the lounge area, and I, they were out there, and I was like, I was like, who are these people? What's going on here? So Chapman was acting so weird and so bizarre that the girls and the guy left. And now it was me and Chapman all alone. And he kept digging into this bag, you know, and his, he said he was going to show them something. And he had, And he kept saying he had audio tapes that he wanted to give to Aaron Kay, the Yippie Pie man. Because I got these tapes for Aaron. So, because I asked him a couple of times, you know, well, what are you doing? What do you, what do you, what do you want? You know, well, can I help you guys? <laughs> you know? And uh, he just kept digging into this bag and nothing would come out. He wouldn't come out with anything. He was going to give us something from the bag, but he never came out with anything. So everyone's kind of got spooked by him and they left and they left me alone. It was just me and him alone in there all by ourselves. And I was behind the wall and I was watching him. He's, he's acting all erratic and frantic, you know, and, and uh, manic, you know. So finally, I, you know, I pulled myself together. <clears throat> I got to confront this guy. Because I can't be responsible for this guy in here. I don't know what he's going to do. When somebody comes in next, he's going to, you know, rip him off or something. I don't know what's going on. So I come around the wall again and I says, what do you want? What are you doing here? <laughs> and he does the thing again. He's digging into the bag. He comes out with nothing. He says, oh, I got these tapes. I want to get to Aaron. And I says, look, you got to go. You got to get out of here right now. And he's okay. And he leaves. So, and then I locked the door. The guy made me nervous, man. So, looking back, I don't know. I cannot put together what day that was. And I, I wish I had I've been making notes over the years to, to fix the day. Because it could have been the Monday when the shooting took place. Because I know that um, he came to town on Saturday. Sunday, he attacked James Taylor. And he was riding around in that. No, he was riding around that cab on Saturday. And then Monday, he did the shooting. It was more likely for me to be in Manhattan on a Monday. Now, in the 90s, because I, I, what happened then too after this, too, see, I started reading the papers and I knew it was the same guy. So I went and I told some people who uh, were yippies that were like more full-time yippies than I was, you know, that were like older than me. I went to Fred and I went to Mario. And I told them what happened. And Fred told me, he says, you know what, man, just just don't say anything. Don't Don't talk to anybody about this at all. And I says, well, but it was him. He says, well, listen, don't, don't say nothing to anybody. So I kept my mouth shut for years until, uh, I guess, around the 90s when fax machines, were, I had a fax machine in my apartment on Staten Island. Uh, so, and I had one. You know what? It might have been uh, the late 80s because I had a fax machine. I was one of the first people to have a fax machine. When, when fax machines first came out, uh, I remember I was thinking about because it always taunted me. This thing haunted me. You know, then I ran into Chapman and I went to the library and I said, I want a book on the John Lennon assassination. So we looked it up and we found the Fenton Bressler uh, book, but they didn't have it on Staten Island. They said, well, we can order it and have it come here. And I says, no, where is it? And this is what's in Manhattan. So I went to the Manhattan library and I got the book and I got the name of the publisher. I wrote down the publisher and I sent a long letter describing everything I knew about the situation that day. And I got a letter back from Fenton Bresler. And in that letter, or maybe in a letter I sent to him, was a fax number. And we started, and there was one day we faxed back and forth all day long about little details. And so he was asking me questions. I was faxing him back. And he confirmed that, yes, this, this definitely fit the, 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 the timeline that, of his information that he knew. 
Then I talked to another guy. When I first content, when I first was looking about this later on, after the internet started becoming popular, I located a guy who wrote. He was the first guy to write about how uh, Jose Padermo, the CIA agent, was John Lennon's um, um, doorman at the Dakota. Now, there's a lot of misinformation that's written about this guy. That he was on, that was the only night that he ever worked there and all stuff like that. I don't know. I know for a fact that he worked there many, many. He worked there for months and months. Okay, that's a, an absolute hundred percent fact. Okay, there's no doubt about that. The cops knew him in the neighborhood and stuff like that. And he, he was uh, he was there that whole weekend for, for an absolute fact, because everyone talked about him that he wasn't nervous about Chapman. I mean, he thought Chapman was a regular guy. There's nothing to make him suspicious or nervous about Chapman's behavior. So, I contacted this guy who wrote the first article about Padermo being CIA. And he confirmed all my details too as well. So that's pretty much where we leave off, you know. And and I, I've I'm gonna write a book about the Lennon assassination someday. I, I've done some really good shows. If you go back into the archives and look for them, uh, one was with this guy. I think his name was Rod Harrell or Rod Farrell. It was Rod Harrell, I think it is. And uh, he's done some great research on it. So, and I did a show with Mac White about it too as well. And um, I, I know there's a lot of people who think that, um, well, it was because, you know, the, the government did it because, you know, Nixon was afraid, or not Nixon, Reagan was afraid that he was going to lead a protest against him. I don't, I don't, I, that's not my theory at all. Okay. I think it's more to do with, um, well, I've talked about it. I, I believe it was a process. And process type people It was a process type uh, uh, Murder uh, I talked to um, Rothstein about it Jim Rothstein He says Yeah that's their MO He says you know And uh, There's a lot of details too Like even when um, uh, th- There were a couple of cops That were right around the corner There were rookie cops Parked right around the corner And when the call came in You know these two guys Raced over there like lunatics. Oh, it's like the second time they put their lights on. And oh, they, you know, this is their big, you know, oh, something happened. Yeah, let's go do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're the time of their, their, their lives. <laughs> they got a call, you know? And even them racing over there like lunatics, there were other cops there before them, you know? And one of the cops, too, said that um, he used Chapman as a shield when he was taking him back to the car. Because um, he thought that uh, there were other shooters, you know. And then Harold did all this work. We actually counted the, the bullet holes, you know. And a lot of this stuff is sealed. You know, a lot of these records on the on the Lennon assassination, we should reopen this investigation 100%. There's definitely a lot of suspicious stuff going on here with that case, you know. I'm not doing it justice tonight. Because I, to be honest with you, I forgot. And I didn't even realize today was December 8th until uh, earlier this evening. But uh, for years and years and years, I was haunted by this day. I could tell you, you know, years, I felt so guilty, you know. And I guess by talking about it, I've gotten over it. Um, a lot of bizarre stuff happened at night that um, it deserves a, a full investigation. And, you know, maybe a, a Bob Huff Ruff can do it, and you can send him money, and he'll do it for you, you know. Anyway, let's take a little commercial break here. And we'll be right back. And now a word from our sponsors. Archival Revival, the Christian Film Archive, 
is currently paying for vintage Christian films. They are dedicated to preserving and restoring classic Christian films and media. So if you have original prints, negatives, or other film elements of classic Christian films, or you have audio recording masters for classic Christian record albums, they want to buy them from you. So email archival.revival at gmail.com, and they're going to make you an offer. Archival Revival wants to preserve these classic Christian films so that they continue saving people for years. These films have brought people to salvation. They want to continue that. Their staff has decades of experience in handling and preserving of film elements, utilize the very best climate-controlled film storage facilities around the world. Contact them today at archival.revival at gmail.com. If there's someone you know has these prints, negatives, recording masters, or other materials from vintage Christian films, you can check out their blog at archivalrevival.blogspot.com. Now, just so you understand, Archival Revival wants to pay you for these films. So you can look in your church attic, in the church basement. If you have a friend who runs a Christian youth ministry, these youth vacation Bible study camp, they have these old films in those big metal containers, 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter. Archival Revival wants to buy them from you. So this is a sponsor that actually wants to give you money. And all you have to do is contact them, tell them what you have. If you're in the UK or Ireland or Africa, uh, these films are all over the world and they're gathering dust and they're going to deteriorate if they don't get into the hands of Archival Revival. So that's archival.revival at gmail.com or the blog spot is archivalrevival.blogspot.com. Don't forget, this show is brought to you by pscoco.com. Phoebe Saad is an independent curator with the Cocoa Exchange. The Cocoa Exchange is formerly known as Dove Chocolate Discoveries, and they make the finest silky smooth chocolate because the products start with the best cocoa beans, which are tested for quality and flavor by expert technicians. The Cocoa Exchange offers not just premium chocolates, but anything from sauces and spices to brownie and cake mixes and even coffee and martini mixes. If you wish to treat yourself or someone you love to a sweet and tasty gift, then the Cocoa Exchange is the brand for you. So you go to pscoco.com, you click on the Shop Now button, you can see all their beautiful chocolates, you can order it right now tonight, it could be in your mailbox in a couple of days, or if you want to get into the chocolate business, you want to be a, a chocolatier just like Phoebe Saad, click the Contact Us button, and you can learn how to get your own website, go into the Cocoa Chocolate Business, and sell chocolate and make a little bit of money there. Remember, all these shows on Awake are brought to you by emailrevealer.com. You can go to emailrevealer.com and get a copy of my book, How to Become a Successful Private Investigator. But you also do all kinds of different services for you. An online dating service investigation is called an online infidelity investigation. And that's where you give us your husband or your boyfriend, your girlfriend's email address, and we trace it back to their online dating websites. And we return a list of all the dating sites that that email is registered to. We can expand on that investigation and trace it back to porn sites, escort service sites, swinger sites, gambling websites, and even prescription drug websites. If you think your ex-husband or something is addicted to prescription medication, or involved in an extreme online pornography addiction, we can produce a report for you that you can use in court. Adoption investigations. If you want to locate your birth parents or your, or your birth child you gave away for adoption, we can do, do adoption investigations for you. Asset searches for you. Locate bank accounts, hidden assets, hidden properties, hidden income, all different kinds of services in the asset search investigation. Email tracing, if you need to locate or identify somebody from just an email address, we can do an email trace investigation for you and all kinds of digital forensics, computer and cell phone digital forensics, where we can recover deleted content from an email or a hard drive and produce a report for you that you can use in court. 
That's emailrevealer.com, or you can contact me at oppermaninvestigations at gmail.com. Okay, welcome back to the Opperman Report. I'm your host, private investigator, Ed Opperman. Um... Everyone always asks me about the John Lennon story, the Mark David Chapman story. But another thing people like to, <clears throat> I told a story one time, I guess I told it a couple of times, about WBAI. Right around that same time, that same age, like 17 years old, I was also able to go down and volunteer at WBAI. I used to love WBAI in New York City. Listen to the station. It's a leftist, uh, listener-sponsored station. You got to, you know... Just like a lot of people listen to this show when you wait for Friday nights to hear the show, you know, it was just the same thing. I used to wait for Friday nights to listen to Lynn Samuels or, you know, Bob Fass, you know, you know, wait for it, you know, and you look forward to it and you wouldn't miss it. And then they would have this listener drive where you would, they would sit and say, 279 3400, 279-3400 uh, to ask people to call in and donate money to keep the station on the air. Just over and over, going for, they would go for days just begging for money. You know, you think I'm bad. <laughs> anyway, so one of the first things I did to get involved with the stations, I went down and I volunteered to go answer the phone. People call in to donate money. And that's where that guy, when I first, the community guy, he, was, he would call and crank those lights too. There was this guy, people don't know what I'm talking about. There was this guy, this crazy guy who used to call in and he, when the, the host would pick up the phone, he would scream, Kaminuti! And the reason why he did that is because Bob Fast did a show one time about how he was at a nudist colony one time. And so the guy, you know, said, well, you know, he's a commie and he's a nudie. So <laughs> y'all commie nudie. And he would, he, the guy, it turned out he worked at the fire department and he had, um, there was a bank of telephones, pay phones out in front of the fire department. So he would have each one, he would put dimes, back then it was dimes. They'd put a dime in each phone and each one would be ringing the station. So, and when they had the rollover, so as they picked up, he would be the next guy in line. So he could, you know, be on the phone over and over and over again. You know, this guy was crazy. Then it turned out, because I found out about the guy, I looked into him. He became friends with that guy, Rockin' Roland Edwards, you know, who used to hold up the John 314, uh, uh, John 314, right? Yeah, 314. Uh, the, you know, Jesus be saved and about to be born again to be saved. The sign, he had the rainbow wig, you know, he would go to, con you know, then he held hostages you got to look him up. If you don't know the story about Rock and Roll and Edwards, look him up. With the rainbow wig. So this guy, the community guy, looked him up and they became friends and started hanging out together. But anyway, I digress. And people love to hear about comedy. There's one guy who donates money every now and then. And he just puts community in the, in the donation box. <laughs> and it cheers me up. Makes me feel good. But anyway, so I used to go down and volunteer at WBAI. One of the first times I used to go volunteer. Me and I was a young kid. I used to go late at night. You know, I didn't have to work the next day. Do whatever I want. So, one of the first guys who came into that room. Because they had a room. With a, it was a table with a bunch of uh, metal chairs. With phones there. And you'd have to pick up the phone and answer the phone. And there'd be three or four people there. But there would only be like four or five phones. If there would be more people in phones. People would be drinking coffee, you know, smoking joints. Whatever they want to do. And so, but they, this room, the, where the, the listen, the volunteers would come in to answer the phone was separate from the station and the offices and the rooms. People lived up there, by the way, you know, people were living up there. 
<laughs> you know, they like homeless, you know? Some of the hosts are living up there. It was a crazy place, man. Especially when you're a kid, you know, as a kid. It was like I was in high school. My daughter's in high school. I was my daughter's age. When I was going into Manhattan in the middle of the night and staying there all night answering the phones and doing God knows what. But what do you call So they kept the listeners separate because a lot of the people who came in were weirdos, you know? Not me, but the rest of them were. And so they kept them separate from the business office. So we were in this like this room off to the side. And even to get in and out of the building, we weren't allowed to use the, the regular. It was an office building. But we weren't allowed to use the office building elevator. We had to use the freight elevator because we were all hippies and dirty and smelled like pot. <laughs> so when we were going in late at night. So they wouldn't let us use the regular uh, thing. So we'd have to come down and bring you and bring you. What a, what a life. You know, crazy yippie headquarters. You had to lock the door. Somebody has to stay inside. Then the elevator, somebody has to come down. We've all done all this crazy stuff. But one of the first hosts who came back to that listener room and we were back there drinking our coffee in our styrofoam cups was Lenny Lopate. Lenny Lopate, who hosted the show Round Midnight. And it would come on, I think it came on every single night. Maybe after Bob Fass or maybe before Bob Fass, I forget. But he had a show, it was called Round Midnight, and it was on late at night. And he was the sweetest guy in the world. And I can remember the, the opening. It was like a jazz, you know, opening. And it was one of those shows that whenever it came on, you always felt happy that it was on. You know, I guess when people, some people hear my intro, yeah, I guess they have that feeling. And he came in and said, hey, you know, I just want to thank everybody for, you know, for coming down here and, and volunteering with this. <laughs> you know, and it was, you know, one of the first hosts we met. And then months later, or maybe it might have been as much as a year later, or maybe even two years later, come to think of it, uh, when I started going down there, when I was doing my call-ins, you know, I created these characters, and then I started going down to do my voiceovers and stuff like that for the different uh, different hosts and doing my call-ins from the station there. And I, and I would run into him, and I says, hey, you know, hey, Lenny, how are you? Remember me? Now I'm working at the station. And he's like, oh, boy, yeah, that's nice. Man, very good for you. <laughs> You know, because I was like this enthusiastic kid, you know. To, oh, God, I was a piece of work in those days. If you think I'm a, um, aggressive, you know, now and, you know, have this kind of uh, domineering, you know, personality is overbearing. Back then, my God, I was on the edge of my seat. Any kind of challenge or anything, I was down your throat. So anyway, so I, and I could just imagine this guy's reaction to me, this loud kid, you know, boisterous, you know, think he knows everything. So wouldn't you know it, man? Let me pull this up. This is heartbreaking. Turns out I didn't think of Lenny Lopate in years. And it turns out that just this week, he was he's been working for WNYC radio, and it seems like he's been working there for a long, long, long time. And in this week, one day out of the blue, they call him into the office and they say they gave right before his show was about to start, it's an afternoon show now. Right before his show was about to start, they call him in, and the human resources guy is in there, and a bunch of uh, uh, um, executive vice president and chief content officer, right, Dean Capello, who I think is another guy from BIA, by the way. And they tell him you're suspended because we have a complaint about you with the sexual harassment. Now, I got to tell you, I can't even imagine this guy being involved in anything like that. I just can't, it doesn't seem like his personality. I, I, met him 20 times you know 
someone I looked up to. You know, you look, I really looked up to those people over there. So he says he's baffled. He has no idea. He's shocked and upset. He has no idea what the, it makes no sense to me, he says. I am sure an honest investigation will completely clear me. The only thing I'm concerned about is the damage to my reputation. So I'll give a little shout out there to Mr. Leonard Lopez. He calls himself Leonard now. And and they didn't even give him a clue about the nature of the allegations. They just and they, they they walked him out of the building. You know, one of those those kind of firings. You know, where they got the security guards walking you out of the building. Hey, Leonard Lopez, God bless him. Let's see how we're doing here on time because there's another a couple of big stories this week. We got some time. Uh, there's this crazy thing going on. You got to read this article in the Intercept. This is mind blowing. Let me pull this up real quick. I'll pull up the other one too, coming up behind it. Because it's about Eric Prince. Okay. Trump White House weighing plans for private spies to counter deep state enemies. And the plan here, put forth by Mr. Eric Prince, whose sister, Betsy DeVos, is the head of the Department of Education right now. And by the way, the DeVos family got a big tax break. Uh, something about private schools and their school is exempt from this new tax. Every other private school in the country has to pay it. But this one school that's uh, connected to Betsy DeVos is, does not. Uh, so Eric Prince, Blackwater guy and his sister there have an in with the president. Uh, huge in. And there was even talk about Eric Prince wanted to, to take over and privatize the war in Afghanistan. He wanted just take or Afghan or Afghan or Iraq or Afghanistan, whatever it is, you know. See, see he's come, and they even had a meeting with with Mike Pompeo, the CIA guy and director. And the idea is that they would create their own intelligence agency, a brand new one, which Bush did too. Bush created Homeland Security, so we know it can be done. And I guess it was to, to be called the Trump uh, black shirts or the Trump red hats, they'd call them, the SS division, right? And they wouldn't report to the CIA. They wouldn't report to defense intelligence. They would report directly to Trump. It would be his own secret police. How do you like that? This is And, and you know who they, they're bringing in on this? Oliver North. <laughs> Oliver North is in on this deal. And there's another guy, too. Let's see if I can pull up his name here. because I'm not familiar with the name, but he has some other connection. Uh, to Trump. He's, he has another position with the Trump. And he's heavily... Yeah, McGuire. Uh, John R. McGuire, and he, he he's done some work for Trump too. Anyway, this is terrifying, man. But it's the it is the smart move. It's the smart move for Trump to to bring in his own guys, and see a guy like um, we know that Eric Prince has all his Blackwater guys. He has that whole Rolodex. He can bring in those guys overnight, those cutthroats and killers, and then you know look up somebody in the the. Uh, the, the, by the way, Eric Prince is on trial right now. He's, he has a lawsuit against him where there's two uh, informants on there that, they're, that are being allowed to remain anonymous because of legitimate threats against their life. And they accuse Eric Prince of murders. Murdering people uh, that, that uh, want to out him and cause him problems. This guy's a, a, an accused murderer. 
But and, and he was connected with Keith Schiller. Keith Schiller used to run all these NYPD guys and had a security agency. He would farm and those guys out. So Trump could pull this off, man. He could pull off his own intelligence agencies with guys through Keith Schiller that are loyal to Keith, the guys through uh, Eric Prince that are loyal to Eric Prince that are not would not be loyal to the CIA, would not be loyal to Defense Intelligence or NSA or any of these other groups. I mean, everybody rambles about the NSA. They don't even know what they're talking about. But anyway. You know, all these people out there you hear talking about the NSA, right? The National Security Agency. And especially these characters. Say, well, I'm a former employee for the NSA. I'm a former contractor for the NSA. That's the biggest crap you've ever heard in your life. NSA, the National Security Agency, is the number one biggest employer in the state of Maryland. Okay? Tens and tens of thousands people work for NSA. <laughs> okay? So if you work this, even if you did work for NSA, half of these people, I don't believe they did. But even if you did, doesn't mean you have top-level secrets. You have all this kind of, oh, I got all the secrets. You got nothing. And the other thing, too, is, well, I was a, 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 an agent for the NSA. NSA has no field officers. They have no field agents. Okay? They do a, a digital surveillance. That's all they've ever done. Look it up. I'm not making this up. This is not me saying this. Look it up. I've, got, you know, I've, I've met people. You go to these PI conventions and these seminars and stuff like that. You meet, you meet FBI. You meet IRS investigators. And just now I was talking to an arson investigator. They ran an arson investigator. You meet, meet CIA. You meet uh, um, DIA. You, know, you never meet an NSA guy because there's no NSA field agents. Okay? They're all technicians and code breakers and stuff like that. It's not the same thing. It's made up, guys. Anyway, Eric, let's keep your eye out for him starting his own secret police with the President of the United States. Uh, they asked um, uh, Huckabee Sanders about this, and her response to this question was the first question asked at the news conference. Okay, and I, I invite you to Google it and look it up, do some homework. And her answer is terrifying. It's a denial. It's the most blatantly BS denial you could find, you could see, you could read right through it. This is something they're cooking in the background. Okay, this is a plan they got, and I'm but I'm predicting too. By the way, that Trump fires Mueller, it could be as in the earliest thirty days, but within ninety days, I guarantee you, he's out of there, and Trump don't give a damn. Even though I think the guy's losing his mind. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, WikiLeaks. Oh, I was going to look this up. Uh, the, the exact uh, wording of this. WikiLeaks still shilling for Trump. They're still shilling for Trump. They just released something in the past uh, two days. It was a, a, an email from Podesta where he mentions one of these FBI agents. or No, it was a Department of Justice employee. And he says, use this guy. He kept me out of jail. You know? And so, and I think it's one of the guys who's involved in this Mueller investigation. But check that out. Now, I, I've been working on, I was going to talk about this last week. And I don't have last week's notes in front of me, but we got a good 10, 12 minutes here. And I'm working on a theory. There's something going on. There's something very unusual going on. First of all, these fires in California. And I'm not saying it's an energy pulse weapon or it's a laser, you know, it's a, ooh, you know, all that crap that was last, remember all that crazy about the fires, last fires? It's a pulse weapon, you know, it's a scalar weapon, you know, directed energy. Look, look at the melted uh, aluminum tire wheels. Okay, I'm not saying that. But the fires that took place in California, or that are taking place right now in California, are not like normal fires. These are taking places in city, 
okay, houses are burning down. Like thousands of houses are burning. Rupert Murdoch's mansion burnt down. Okay. And, and the, the, the fires are popping up all over the place. They're in San Diego. They're in Ventura County. You know, something's up. This is unusual. And it's something to keep an eye on. Where powerful people like Rupert Murdoch, like Bel Air, you know, these, these rich neighborhoods where millionaires live are burning down. Okay. Now, could be nature, could be, you know, coincidence, could be arson, who knows. But we, this, this is a dramatic turn of events. <clears throat> we have something else going on. Another dramatic turn of events that um, <clears throat> started with the Harvey Weinstein um, outing of being a, a sexual harasser and potential rapist, alleged rapist, right? Now, even though, and I, I've been t- talking to you about this, I've been telling you, hey, man, you know, Harvey Weinstein's guilty a lot more than this, <laughs> okay? And you got, you know, fine, you can watch that movie of overnight with uh, Duffy. And even then, you know, it's come out and it will look, look, you had these uh, Mossad agents, you know, looking up dirt on people, looking up dirt, they're threatening people. That's what's going on. Harvey Weinstein had a reputation as a, a dangerous guy, as a dangerous guy not to mess with, that I'm still not too comfortable <laughs> talking about, okay? But he's got a reputation. No one's talking about that, but they're talking about this stuff, the sexual harassment. Okay, and he's out of the picture. Then Kevin Spacey goes down. Then Al Franken goes down, right? A lot of people in power, okay, we're seeing an upheaval. We're seeing a an overturning, right, of people in power, people in the spotlight, people we trust, people in media, uh, Charlie Rose, Right, um, Jeremy Piven, people with familiar faces that give us our news that we trust, are Matt Lauer, icons, iconic people. With a snap of a finger and a point of a finger, they're losing their jobs and they're getting shuttled off to obscurity. Okay, so we got these crazy fires burning down powerful people's homes in California, the elites. We got this spate of accusations. Let me call it a satanic panic. This is like a sexual harassment panic. Okay. Taking down all these iconic media figures and people in Congress now. We're saying, and it's only going to continue. You know, this is going to stop. It's working. An overturn when people are turning over, getting fired, getting out of the spotlight, into banished into Siberia. We got a White House in utter chaos with members of the White House staff and former staff in the cabinet being indicted. You know, we got Flynn uh, uh, being indicted, you know, and turning, becoming an informer. We got Papadopoulos there doing his thing. You know, oh, uh, Manafort, a campaign manager under indictment. It never happened before. This would be major breaking news. You got, you know, so we got a White House in chaos. We got a media and a power structure, people in power in chaos, being fired from their jobs and the snap of a finger, point of a finger. We got people being indicted by the FBI. We got the 
news media saying Trump's gone crazy. I, I, I look at it sort of like the FBI is controlling this investigation, Department of Justice is controlling the investigation, and they're not talking to the CIA branch that pretty much control like Morning Joe and CNN and all that kind of stuff like that. You know, they're all in there, you know. And they don't seem to be tipping each other off and talking to each other either, do they? Right? But what else we have? We also have now, now, they say, well, Ed, it's a deep state trying to take down Trump. Trump's doing his own crazy stuff. He's retweeting these, um, uh, what do you call it? these um, videos from this right-wing uh, white supremacist group in, in England, and the whole British Parliament. Uh, Mr. Trump cannot come to California. Can come to the UK. We won't have a put a, you know, we're not going to give him a red carpet and a, and a uh, 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 chaos. What's that's part of a deep state thing? That's Trump acting crazy. Then Trump decides, well, we're going to move the, the uh, embassy to Jerusalem. Now there's riots all over the place. The Palestinians are going crazy. Chaos again. Constant creation of chaos. Constant news reporting. What it, there's a new scandal every day. Stuff that happened two days ago we forgot all about. The tweets, the, 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 the Muslim tweets. We forgot all about it. Because something new happened, and then Flynn gets arrested. We forget that. Well, now what happened next? Well, now, now, now Israel's going crazy. Something new every day. Got a, a pedophile running for Alabama, for Congress. This is a, a chaos. <laughs> okay. Now, now, now that there, now what is this? A plan? Is this created chaos? Where, where a year from now? We'll turn on our TV sets and we'll see a military government. We already got the military running the White House. And we got all these guys. Uh, I forget his name right now. But you know what I'm talking about. The chief of staff is a military guy. All these guys are militaries. McManus, you know. McMaster, you hear all these guys. What's going on? Everything has gone crazy, including these fires. Everything's just gone crazy all at once by accident. Now, you know, some people say, well, it's the coming of the end times. It could be the coming of the end times. This could be the coming of the end times where there's chaos and rumors of wars and fires and earthquakes, right? You hear about these things. You know, it's when you talk about this stuff in the Bible and stuff, right? You hear these eschatologists always talking about these things. It could be. This could be by design. This could be, be by design to overthrow the democratic government and put in a, a, a military government. Okay? By design. Okay? Not because Trump is going to round up all the pedophiles. <laughs> okay, guys, please. You know? How can you still be saying that? This bizarre fantasy. And by the way, too, I spent some time either last week or the week before reporting about um, that whole thing about how the Marines had landed at Langley and, and they invaded the CIA and they took over CIA headquarters. Okay. And I spent, and, and a lot of people said, what, Ed? No one's heard that story. No one. People are still talking about that. Okay. People think that's real. Okay. And people also think about these, uh, now it's up to 5,000 sealed indictments. I don't know how many sealed indictments are. But there's sealed indictments all the time. This, this would be an extremely large, but it doesn't mean that he's rounding up pedophiles and Podesta and Hillary pedophile group. There's, there's nothing to indicate that whatsoever. 
again, if anything, it's probably going to be um, uh, Mexican street gangs, you know, Latin American street gangs that he's going to be going after. Because if, if you cannot keep an eye on what's going on with the ICE and immigration, uh, people that have lived here for 30 years are being deported left and right. He is rounding up uh, people that are undocumented. That's going on right now. I can tell you that for a fact. Hey, so what is going on, man? I can't put my finger on it, but we got to start wondering if this is by design or this is some kind of organic, natural uh, spiraling out of control that our country is just naturally spiraling out of control beyond having an incompetent, uh, ineffective, insane president. Because these these fires and these the stuff with the TV with the with Matt Lauer getting uh, his career and all this kind of craziness and people in Congress getting you know exposed. Uh, that's not some deep state war, you know, something else. We're out of time. Okay. Hope I made some sense tonight. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we have a member section at operamreport.com. And there's some new content in there. I just put up the show with the uh, Danielle Brigoli, the cash me outside girl. I interviewed her father. Ira Peskowitz, and it's a, a painful show to listen to, but I tell you, you know, this kid's been um, exploited from birth, and it's, it's something that needs to be talked about. Uh, then there's an interview that uh, I did, I think it was, anyway, there's a couple of interviews of people who interviewed me that I put in there. Um, oh, and there's a lost episode I put in there back from when I first started at, um, on Thursday mornings, four years ago. I was all excited about my show, and, and uh, <laughs> Someone tried to interview me, but she couldn't even get a question out. I just just took over the mic. I took over the show. Just started talking. Anyway, a lot of stuff in the member section. Exclusive stuff: the Steve Bannon porn in Meth House, uh, an eyewitness to the Arliss Perry murder. Uh, you know the Tim Tate, the guy who directed the um, and produced the uh, Conspiracy of Silence, uh, Franklin cover up. A lot of stuff, exclusive stuff. The last interview with Dale Griffiths, Dr. Dale Griffiths from the West Memphis 3, the last interview he's ever done in his life. That's in there. The only interview with the guy who um, discovered the, uh, the uh, hand-dug room underneath the McMartin Preschool. The only radio interview he's ever done. The only person ever contact him in 30 years and get him down on, on, on record. All this work. All this work. In the member section, you can get it for 13 months for 60 bucks. You can't beat that. And uh, but just think, you know, I, I gotta beg you for sixty bucks, but some guy is gonna, with a straight face, is gonna come on the air and say, three guys who had a lifetime of violence and odd behavior and were institutionalized, uh, and then uh, bragged about that they were planning to, to commit a murder of a child, they were gonna sacrifice a baby. And then they went out and they committed these murders. They confessed to it. They made admissions. They were convicted twice. Then they pled guilty. But the crime's unsolved. And I'm going to solve it for you. Send me money. How do you like that? How do you like that? That's what I wake up on. <laughs> Can't I got to deal with it? Okay. So, OppermanReport at gmail.com. You send me an email. I send you a PayPal request for 60 bucks. Normally, it's $74 if you buy a year for 12 months. I'm giving you 13 months. I'll give you 13 and a half months for 60 bucks. 
Okay, just so I can get me and my kid into a car. You know, that we don't have to be walking and uh, stuck like this. Okay. And, and you know, I'm doing the work for you. So, anyway, guys. Oh, by the way, too, uh, uh, to, to, to prevent this, you know, if you go to oppermanreport.com, the donate, right? There's a little donate thing on there where you could just donate through PayPal five bucks a month and just click to make this a monthly donation. If we had 200 people doing that, we'd, you know, we'd be set, you know, five bucks a month, 200 people. You know, I get 200 emails a day. There's 200 comments a day on YouTube, you know, of all the YouTube uh, channels, you know, 200 people getting five bucks a, day, a month. And that would more than cover all the bills for the show. And, and, and I could be working for you full time. All right, guys. So if you want to keep the things, things humming here and well-oiled, you know, you go to that uh, Operman Report, donate, operamanreport.com, donate. And just and even if it was a dollar or two dollars or three dollars, all the emails I get from people who say, "Ed, I got no money to donate, but I love the show." You can afford two dollars. You can afford two dollars. You're paying for your internet to listen to the show. You're paying. You know, you got gas in your car. It's one gallon of gas. Come on, two dollars a month. You can pay that. Hey, all right, guys. Good night. Thank you so much. I really do love you. I appreciate everybody who has donated or bought memberships. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. At least we're able to get into this rent-a-car this week, and I can start shopping for a car. I want to get something cheap from the auction. Uh, that's uh, you get a good deal, you know. I'm going to shop around. You know me; I can negotiate. So I'll get a good deal. All right, guys. Thank you. So